This is Canvas, a show all about iPad productivity. My name is Fraser Spears, and I'm joined as always by Federico Vitici. Hello, Fraser. Hey, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you, man? Mm-hmm. Not too bad. Today was World Book Day, as we record this. So uh, today everybody was dressed up at school and uh, oh. <laughs> dressed up as various things from various books, various characters. So Oh, nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was fine. It was fine. So that was my day. Uh, well, I'm, I'm just here waiting to play with my new Nintendo Switch. Which I managed oh, course, to get. Yeah. I managed to get one day earlier than the release date, but I've been dying to play because it, you know Thursday mm-hmm. it's so busy. It's when I'm finishing the Mac Stories newsletter for uh, the club Mac Stories members, and yeah. so I'm I'm here just editing articles and looking with a side eye mm. at my Nintendo Switch, just waiting there with that, Zelda. That whole extra day that you had is just gone before you can. Yeah, get basically, I was like, I'm so happy I'm getting the Switch a day early. Well. Buddy, actually, you need to get work done first. And like, so you're oh. going to stay up all night is what you're saying? Yeah, that's probably how it's going <laughs> to end up. Yeah. <laughs> good times. Good times. Well, today we've got kind of an interesting topic. I think it's going to be something that um, kind of like our even back to our first show where we talked about document providers. I think this show is going to help a lot of people unlock uh, more understanding about what iOS can do for them and how to how to get their work done. And it's not actually a show about workflow. <laughs> for well, once. it's a show. It's a show about workflow with a small W, but not capital W workflow this time. Yeah, it, it, I mean, there's a there's a mention of workflow somewhere, mm-hmm. uh, but mm-hmm. it's just it's not about workflow. So today we're, <laughs> for example, we're talking about the share sheet. Yeah. But this seems to me like a simple topic, uh, mm-hmm. but it turned out to be quite different than my expectations. Yeah, I, as I was saying to you just before we came on air, uh, before we started looking into this show, I thought the iOS share sheet was great and it was fine. Uh, and I've since the more I think about it to try and explain it to other people, the more I'm like, mm, this has got some real issues. So, <laughs> what have we gotten uh, ourselves into? <laughs> I know. <laughs> we, we've talked ourselves into dissatisfaction. I remember um, when I was at university, I, I wrote, read a book called The Design of Everyday Things by a guy called Don Norman. And, and it was a book that just went through um, how well designed some things are in, in everyday life. Like the fact that, you know, when you see a, a finger plate on a door, that tells you what side to push the door mm-hmm. on and things like that. And ever since I read that book, I've always just been so dissatisfied with almost everything I come across in life because it doesn't kind of meet the standards that he outlined for really good design and things like that. So yeah. <laughs> uh, warning, this uh, this uh, show might make you more dissatisfied with iOS than satisfied. But anyway, hopefully we can unlock some secrets. Yeah. I mean, we, so, we, we tend to do this, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that is is really important to me about this show, Federico, is that we're not here just to, like, fanboy for iOS, right? That, you know, no nobody knows the limitations of iOS more than you and I do, and nobody feels them more keenly every single day than people who really try and use it for serious work. So uh, we'll, we'll clue you into the right way to use things, but we'll also point out yeah. why things are, are confusing in the way that they sometimes are as well. Yeah. So, background on the share sheet. Where did this all come from? Well, the share sheet was introduced with iOS uh, 8. So that was 2014, uh, almost three years ago. And mm-hmm. it was significantly enhanced with uh, with iOS 9. Uh, but it's been mostly unchanged, really, since the, the, the very first versions. And before the share sheet... Um, so for those who don't know, the share sheet is the standard system-wide dialogue that you get when you tap the share icon, which is the rectangle with the upward-facing arrow. Uh, you can find it you know, in Safari, for example. You can find it uh, in other apps that follow the same guidelines set by Apple. And the share sheet opens with this uh, area where we divide it in three sections, which we're going to talk about. And it's basically filled with uh, you know, what Apple calls extensions, which we're also going to cover. And before the share sheet, I think it's important to remember that uh, any method that apps wanted to implement for sharing things, so to send you know a piece of content from the current app to another, those methods were all uh, hard coded by Apple. They were custom made by Apple to uh, so they they were the result of partnerships. For example, back in iOS five, when Apple added uh, what Scott Forsell used to call the tweet sheet. Uh, it was a custom <laughs> yeah. extension that Apple did uh, with Twitter. And same with mm-hmm. Facebook, and I'm pretty sure with Flickr, maybe, for publishing Flickr photos. Flickr at that time, yeah. Yeah. So those uh, pathways were all custom-made by Apple. And developers, third-party developers, couldn't make their own extensions. They couldn't make their own tweet sheets, for example. Uh, now, 
three years on, the share sheet, uh, like I said, is not too different from what we had in iOS 8. Uh, but there's been uh, very notable changes in terms of what apps can do and what third-party developers have imagined uh, when it comes to uh, you know passing data uh, between apps. And so I thought we could kind of break down the structure of the share sheet and talk about, uh, you know, what it actually does and why it can be so useful. Because, I mean, when I'm looking at the things that I do on iOS, how I work on my iPad and my iPhone, um, you know, a lot of that, a lot of being able to work on iOS comes down to using extensions and taking advantage of these communication methods between two apps. And so I think it's it's necessary to kind of lay the groundwork for understanding the share sheet and what it can do. Yeah, the share sheet has kind of become your sort of routing hub for getting data around iOS because one of the things, you know, people were sort of saying to me on Twitter, well, you know, if you just had a file system in the Mac, this wouldn't be a problem. But in fact, I would sort of argue that because we have so many rich applications on iOS, that we iOS users actually maybe spend more time moving files between different apps than you would do in the Mac. You know, if you have a Word file on the Mac pretty much the only app you want to use is Word. So you just double-click the file. Whereas on iOS, you might want to import it into this file or this application or that application, put it into cloud storage. And admittedly, that is one of the things that is a little bit harder on iOS is putting a file into cloud storage requires you going through a, a channel into an app rather than just putting it in a folder in the Finder. But um, in general, <clears throat> we certainly have for uh, you know PDFs and images and things, we're routing files around a lot more uh, than you would typically do on, on the Mac. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, a lot of these limitations have kind of pushed developers to uh, come up with the uh, with ideas for extensions. And there are some pretty powerful examples of the different types mm-hmm. of extensions that, you know, we can use on iOS. But before we get to that, um, I think we should cover the uh, the basics of the share sheet and, you know, uh, all of the different sections. So when you start, when you open the share sheet, you will see uh, basically three sections. At the top, there's AirDrop, and AirDrop is the standard solution by Apple to share files and links or text locally between Apple devices. It used to be exclusive to Macs, now it's supported on the Mac, on on the iPhone, and on the iPad. And AirDrop um, lets you, you know, it lets you send anything that is supported by the share sheet from one device to another. Uh, and it uses the, uh, you know, uses Bluetooth and uses Wi-Fi to establish a secure, a secure connection between devices. Um, below AirDrop, you will see there are two rows of extensions. At the top, the colorful ones, which usually uh, they use the icon of the the container app. Those are called the share extensions, and they cover a pretty narrow use case of sharing data between apps and sending data between apps. And then at the, the bottom row, the grayscale uh, icons, those are the action extensions, which do a lot more than share extensions. They can present more complex interfaces. They can execute more complex code. And those are meant to uh, view, manipulate, edit content in place uh, inside the share sheet and inside an interface that opens from the share sheet. So the action ex- extensions are a little more complex than... Um, than you know what you can get with share extensions, for example, um, and also one of the uh, aspects of the share sheet that we should cover is um, the look and the order of the extensions that you use in the share sheet is consistent in every app, so it's shared at a system-wide level between apps. So in theory, uh, the if you rearrange the icons in the share sheet, which you can do with you know by tapping and holding an icon, then you can move it around, kind of like an icon on the home screen. In theory, that order that you specify should become the same order across every app, across you know every instance of the share sheet. There are some exen- uh, exceptions which come down to you know how the share sheet actually works, how it uh, fetches input from from the app that you're currently using, but as a baseline. Um, the the icons that you see should always be in the same position every time you open the share sheet. Um, Fraser, is there anything else we're missing in terms of basics? I, I think just understanding that the when you're seeing that the, that order of icons both in the sharing section and the action section is consistent, it's consistent, but it's also contextual, which by which I mean that um, if you're sharing an image there are some actions and some share extensions that will be appropriate for sharing an image. 
There will be other ones that only work if you're sharing text. So it is very hard to keep a mental model of that because if you set it up perfectly the way you want it, depending on what you're sharing, some of the things you've put there may or may not appear again. So it's it is consistent in, for example, every context where an image is being shared or every context in where a Word document is being shared or every context in which text is being shared. But if you're freely mixing between different types of things to share, you can often see, that can often appear essentially random. But that's actually why it's happening is because the app is sharing different kinds of content and not every sharing extension and not every action is appropriate to every kind of content. So that just explains why it sometimes appears differently as well. Yeah, and that's kind, of, that's kind of difficult to wrap your head around in terms of what am I actually sharing right now? And I wish there was a better way to, you know, to see from the share sheet uh, what actually are you sending, you know, to an extension, whether it's, you know, a text file or some text that you've selected from a web page, a web page, a PDF mm -hmm. document. There's no way to know actually the item that you're sharing. And I also want to bring up, you know, it is possible for apps to provide their own custom activity items. And those are, I'm going to give you a very basic explanation. I'm sure you, you can give me the technical details. But basically, when you're using an app like uh, Tweetbot, for example, and if, you, if you're scrolling the timeline in Tweetbot and you tap and hold on a link or on a tweet, you will see that besides, you know, in the bottom row, in between the action extensions, uh, you will see some custom items that are specific and exclusive to Tweetbot. For example, copy tweet or copy tweet link. And those items, those appear to be like any other action extension, but in reality, those are custom activity items made by the Tweetbot developers and exclusive to the Tweetbot app. So those are like a contextual menu for Tweetbot, and those functions are, you know, they're intermixed with the action extensions, but they won't show up in other apps. They will only appear in Tweetbot. And this is, I think, one of the most confusing aspects of the share sheet, which is you will find extensions that you can use anywhere. You, you will find extensions from any app, like, I don't know, Evernote or Apple Notes workflow. But depending on the app that you're using, you will also see these custom sharing items. Yeah, you see the, same, the exact same thing in Photos, where in Photos, if you share a picture, you have um, things like uh, you can hide the photo, you can duplicate it, you can set it as a wallpaper for your device. Um, and those are those are extensions or they're actions that are provided by the host application. And at the same time, alongside that, you'll see things like Save to Dropbox, which is an extension that is provided by the Dropbox app if you have that installed. And again, you'll also see system-wide things like Print and Save to iCloud Drive and various things like that. So both sections, both the sharing section and the action section, do tend to intermingle a little bit, multiple different kinds of things in the same space. Uh, and that can sometimes lead to a little bit of confusion as well. So tell me about AirDrop. Um, what what does it do with the share sheet? What, what, what can you actually do on iOS? So so the AirDrop section is, is, I think AirDrop is really one of the most kind of underrated features of iOS because what it enables you to do is uh, it lets you share files or content, URLs, text, video even, um, between two devices without having any infrastructure network in place in between. So, you know, if, if we're out on a trip or something, and you're you know driving along the road, you can share between two iOS devices in the car without having a Wi-Fi network present in place. So it basically works by using Bluetooth and Wi-Fi together. So it uses Bluetooth for discovery to find that other devices are nearby. And then when two devices are set up to share with each other, like the sender presses the send button to a person's device, then a, a temporary Wi-Fi network is established between the two devices and the data is transferred at Wi-Fi-like speeds which means that if, even if you shoot like a high-def video or something, you can transfer that between two devices relatively quickly without having to set up a Wi-Fi hotspot and then both join it and then share that way. So it's, it's really, really powerful. And the, the top section in the share sheet is, is the airdrop section. So that's how you airdrop things as you share them, get to the share sheet, and then wait for a second while other devices are discovered nearby, and then uh, go ahead and choose the one that you want to send to. Now, when the share sheet first comes up, because Bluetooth discovery takes a certain amount of time, you first see a, a blue kind of radio icon. It looks like an antenna with blue lines radiating around it, the, the standard um, airdrop icon. 
And what I see quite a lot in school is that kids think that that's a button that you press to make the device discover other devices. It's actually just a placeholder image as far as I can tell. But you quite often see people tapping on it as if it's yeah. a button that makes makes things happen. And it doesn't, <clears throat> it's like the, uh, you know, the, the elevator button that doesn't actually do anything, but it makes people feel better about it. So what will happen is eventually once devices are found, uh, that radio icon will be replaced by placeholder images that in, that represent the other devices nearby. So what you'll see, if you have the uh, the other person's Apple ID in your contacts, you'll actually see their name and contact picture from your contacts database on, on the screen, which makes it really easy to choose. If, however, you're dealing with a stranger, then you'll just see a kind of generic head silhouette and you'll see the name of their device. So the way that you disambiguate them is <clears throat> you see... Um, uh, the, the device name that's set in settings and about, that's what appears in the share sheet to other people. Uh, and if you have multiple devices with similar names or similar Apple IDs, it will also underline, say, uh, MacBook Air or iPhone or iPad. Or it'll actually name the device as well if there's more than one nearby. So mm. that's the I basics of AirDrop. You just open it up and you press a button and go. I think there is one instance of the airdrop button being an actual button that you can tap. And that is when you have Bluetooth turned off. Oh, uh, yes, of course. That's the, true. the button won't be, you know, the blue radio one. You will get this grayed out um, icon. And mm -hmm. if you have Bluetooth turned off, uh, there's a message that says tap to turn on. And when you tap yep. it, um, so you need to be in the share sheet already. But when you tap it, basically the share sheet will uh, enable Bluetooth on your device and it will turn on AirDrop. So that's the only instance when uh, that that is actually a button that you need to tap. But, yep. you know, that's based on the idea that you have Bluetooth actually turned off, which I guess in most instances, you know, whether you use an iPad with a keyboard or with a pencil mm -hmm. or if you have an iPhone with your Apple Watch, Bluetooth is always on. So most people tend to not see the, you know, the gray version of the drop yeah. icon yeah yeah there's there's no really good reason to have bluetooth off these days is there um the one thing i was going to mention as well that people don't often realize this with the airdrop section of the share sheet is that if you have discovered multiple people say you're out with four or five friends and they all want a copy of that picture you just took if you see three or four or five different devices appearing in airdrop you can just tap them one after the other without waiting for the transfer to complete and it will, your device will actually do concurrent transfers to multiple devices. And we do this in school all the time where we want to share something out to a class. You know, I can have, you know, 10 or 12 uh, devices show up there and I just go tap, 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 tap. Oh, nice. Scroll, I had no fill, idea. Scroll. You, yeah, you can do that and, and it works fine. Even for large files, uh, you'll get multiple concurrent transfers over AirDrop as well. So it's uh, it's really cool. Now, the recipient gets a modal dialog box where they have to, of course, accept what it is you're sending. Uh, but once they do that, they see the progress bar and they have to sit and watch that. But the sender can actually initiate multiple connections at the same time. Hmm. So you 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 do use AirDrop quite a bit in school, I, I guess, with the classroom. Oh yes. App? Yep. Oh. Um, the, the classroom app is, is is slightly different. It has its own method of sharing uh, or, or con connecting two devices and, and doing some of that stuff. Uh, although I think in future versions, some of that is being replaced with actually AirDrop. Um, but the classroom app kind of does a similar thing, but you can only do a f you can only send a few different things to it. Um, you can send a URL command, um, and what the what the classroom app lets you do is it lets you bypass the user's acceptance. So if I, as a teacher, share a URL to the whole class, it will forcibly send that to everybody's device and force Safari to open and load that URL. Um, but of course, that's only available to teach your iPad. So it's a slightly different thing. Um, the, the AirDrop is a little bit more peer-to-peer, -peer, uh, mm -hmm. less controlled, so that the receiver has more control over whether or not um, they're going to accept the drop. Whereas with Classroom, because it's a controlled situation in school, uh, you the recipient can't hide from Apple Classroom in the way you can with AirDrop. You know, if you pull up Control Center and turn AirDrop receiving to off, you will not appear in that, which is something you might want to do if you're uh, out in public and you don't want to have any random person AirDrop you something. Um, but you can't control your visibility that way in, mm -hmm. in Apple Classroom. Yep. Something funny happens when you're uh, trying to share uh, with AirDrop um, a file type that is you know, associated with many different apps. So, for example, yeah. let's say that you want to share... Um, a text file uh, 
and you know a txt file that on ios can be opened by a bunch of different apps it can be sent to apple notes it can be sent to evernote it can be sent to dropbox or text editors you know uh anything but you know i don't know a browser maybe uh and when you're uh, are on the receiving end of this uh you know you someone is sending you a text file and so on the on the sender side they just send the file with airdrop but on your end you will get this um list of basically apps it's a very long list if you have a lot of apps installed and it will ask you where do you want to put this file because ios has no concept of i receive a file and i just hold it somewhere like i don't know a finder or maybe a files application there's no concept of a unified location for documents or yeah, files there's no system-wide downloads folder for example exactly so when you yeah. receive a file with a drop and if you have a bunch of different associations for that kind of file uh, you will get this list asking you where you know you need to choose one app to send this file to uh, because we need to finish this process. And one time on my iPad, I wanted to share a text file from my iPhone, and I and I uh, was using my iPad in landscape mode. This was like last year, I think. So I got this um, <laughs> this list that was actually overflowing the screen of the <laughs> iPad. So I needed to scroll this list from AirDrop because, as you can imagine, uh, I was writing my iOS 10 review and I had so many different apps installed. And a TXT mm. file could be sent to like 30 different apps. So yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think I took a screenshot. It was this huge list from AirDrop. But I, I think in most cases, uh, either if you share a screenshot, for example, it will go directly to photos. Or, yeah, you know, images are special cased and so are URLs. Um, so you, if you get a URL airdrop to you, it always goes to Safari as far as I know. I don't think it gives you a chance to yeah. choose Chrome if you use Chrome. Yeah, it will go directly to the, to the system browser yeah. because there's no concept of a default app. So uh, some types of sharing you know, with airdrop will go directly to, uh, you know, to a default option. While some, mostly files and documents, they will let you choose from a list of third-party uh, applications that you have installed. Yeah, yeah. I think if you if you only have one app that can handle that type, then yeah. it's obvious where it goes, right? But if you get something generic like a Word document or a text document or a PDF, um, you may have 15 or 20 apps that could open those files. And, right. and that's, that's when you're forced to choose. Right, yep. yeah. Yeah. Yep. Cool. So <laughs> that's uh, one out of three sections done, and that probably was the most straightforward one. Uh, so Federico, let me take a moment and, and tell you something I like, and then we'll we'll move on with uh, right. the other two sections of the sheet. So this show is brought to you by Pingdom. Start monitoring your websites and servers today at pingdom.com slash canvas. You'll get a 14-day free trial, and when you enter the offer code canvas at checkout, you'll get 20% off your first invoice. So Pingdom is focused on making the web faster and more reliable for everyone who has a site. And they do this by offering powerful and easy-to-use tools and services. For example, if you're a Pingdom user, monitoring the availability and performance of your server, database, or website will be a breeze. Pingdom take care of this by using more than 70 global test servers that emulate visits to your site, checking availability as often as every minute. These days, websites are becoming more and more sophisticated and very often include several dependencies, such as contact forms, e-commerce, checkouts, logins, search functionality, and loads more. So Pingdom makes it possible to monitor the availability of all of these key interactions that people will have with your site, because stuff breaks on the internet all the time. Every month, Pingdom detects around 13 million outages, which is more than 400,000 a day. So regardless of whether you've got a small website or a complete infrastructure, it's super important to monitor availability and performance. All Pingdom needs is a URL and they will take care of the rest. When Pingdom detects an outage, you'll be immediately alerted so you can fix the error before the downtime affects you. You don't want to be caught out when someone wants access to your site, so you need Pingdom. Check it out today and you'll be the first to know when your site is down. So go to pingdom.com canvas for a 14-day free trial and use the code canvas at checkout to get 20% off your first invoice. Thanks to Pingdom for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So the second section of the share sheet is the area where the share extensions live. And this is the, the most colorful one, you know, the most colorful section, because you will see all of these different app icons, which are the same icons that you will get for apps on the home screen. And according to Apple, uh, share extensions are meant to post uh, to a sharing website 
or to share content with others. Uh, this is a very uh, kind of boilerplate uh, description of what share, yeah. share extensions can do. They can actually do so much more. They're not limited to sharing websites like Twitter or Facebook or just uh, other people. Uh, mm -hmm. Most of the share extensions that I have actually deal with sending data, sending documents or text to the, uh, to the container application of the extension. Um, some examples. Uh, there's a share extension for Apple Notes that lets you um, either create a new note with the input that you receive from the share sheet. So if you share a link from Safari, you will create a new note with a web page in Apple Notes. There's an extension for Evernote. There's an extension for really most note-taking apps these days have an extension to capture bits of text, bits of, you know, like web pages or images, for example. But there are also social extensions like the Twitter default one, of course, but also an excellent example that I use every day is Linky, which is this share extension that lets you post messages either to uh, Twitter or Facebook, and it's a much, much better uh, social extension than the default uh, Twitter and Facebook options because it lets you work with multiple accounts, for example. Um, okay. uh, all of these different share extensions, um, they don't present uh, complex interfaces. Uh, they're not like action extensions, which can run a lot of custom complex uh, code. They're usually limited to taking something and sending it out, whether it's a social network or someone else, or just to save it into the app for later. And I think, uh, you know, I, I use share extensions a lot just because it's so easy to capture something quickly and, you know, to have this kind of lightweight interface to do so. Uh, for example, um, if you use a task manager like OmniFocus or Todoist, the, those apps offer share extensions. Uh, so you will get the, you know, uh, usually like a model, like a pop-up, for example, um, that allows you to save something as a task or as a reminder for later. And all of these, um, the share extensions, while they are focused on sharing files or text or links, Sometimes you will also see when you're uh, sending uh, a file or a document with a share sheet, you will see a, a few options that are called copy to or import with. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you will just see the name of another app in the share sheet. Uh, this is actually quite a confusing topic to explain. So we did a bunch of research and there's no clear official uh, guidelines from Apple. There's no official explanation from Apple as to what is going on. But here's my interpretation. Sometimes when you're sharing a document, you will come across different options to copy the file into another app or to import the file with another app. And those are the evolution of the old open in menu, which used to be, I think, uh, by installed, you know, by default uh, on iOS. Uh, until the days of iOS 8, which is when Apple mm -hmm. started to make changes with the share sheet. And the difference between... Now, uh, Fraser, you did the, the, the research at the API level. So I'm, yeah. I, want to, uh, I want you to talk about this. But my interpretation is that it's based on the kind of document that you're sending, the kind of file that you're sharing, and whether there is an official app on your device to handle that specific document type. That's yeah, so that, that's, a, that's basically right. At a high level, that's roughly what's going on. The reason it's confusing is because that middle section of the share sheet actually has two different things in it, okay? It has, firstly, share extensions, which are little bits of code provided by apps that will let you share some content into that app. So like the example you mentioned, Federico, the OmniFocus share extension, where if you press OmniFocus there, you'll get a little miniature OmniFocus inbox uh, window and you can fill it in and hit save and you don't switch to the OmniFocus app. That window just goes away and that data gets stored inside OmniFocus, okay? That is a sharing extension provided by OmniFocus. But what Apple have done with that middle row of the share sheet is they have also put in there the icons of every application in the system that says it can accept whatever it is you're sharing right now. So as you identified, this is the old open-in business living alongside share extensions, okay? So mm -hmm. say you're in Microsoft Word and you choose to share the file through the share sheet, what you'll see there is every app on the system that can open a Microsoft Word file 
and all the share extensions that say they can accept a Microsoft Word file as well. And this is why you end up with some situations where you have copy to and import with, and also just some plain icons that have the name of the app on it as well. Uh, so copy to, if it says copy to this app, what that means is that that app is, um, has declared itself to be the owner of that file type. So for example, if you see, um, if you're sharing a Word file and it says copy to Word, then Word has said, and the developers of Word have said, we own this file type, Microsoft Word files, okay? The problem is that um, it's down to the developer of the app who, whether or not they claim to be the owner, right? So actually more apps than just Microsoft Word. Now, Apple doesn't take any role in uh, disambiguating who is the actual owner. Any app is allowed to declare themselves the owner of any file type. So that's why you can see copy to f uh, multiple different applications for the same file type. Does that make sense? Right? Yeah. You've got yeah, uh, developers are playing the system a little bit to say, I'm the owner of Word files. No, I'm the owner of Word files. No, I'm the right. owner of Word files. Um, and so you get multiple copy twos. And like you also said, the ones that say import with app are apps that are called alternate handlers. So you have the owner handlers, which make a very strong claim to I own that file type. Alternate handlers are what they're effectively saying to the system is, okay, I don't own the Microsoft Word file format, but I can certainly accept it if somebody wants to send it to me. And that's where you see import with, because it implies that there might be some kind of conversion or import step after you get it to that other application. So that's why when it comes down to, if you are a Google Drive user, for example, and you share a file that Google Drive can import, you will in fact see two icons in the same section of the share sheet with a Google Drive icon on them. And one just says Google Drive, and one says copy to Google Drive. Mm. Okay, and the reason for okay. this is that the one that's called Google Drive, that is Google Drive's share extension yeah. appearing for that file. And if you choose that one, what you'll see is a little window inside your app that looks like a little mini Google Drive, and you can decide where to upload it, what account to put it in, and you can save it right from inside your application, and you'll never switch to the Google Drive app. That's the share extension. If you choose the one that says copy to Google Drive, what will happen is that file will be taken, your app will disappear, you will be switched into the Google Drive app, and Google Drive will then do what it does when you open a file in that app, i.e. begin an upload. So you'll get two actual different user experiences depending on which one of those two options you choose. And this is because Apple has has put together in the one section of the share sheet both sharing extensions, which are really nice, uh, inline bits of applications that you can use to do your job. And alongside that, the open-in targets the, of the kind that we've been using for years in iOS. And that's where almost all the confusion comes from with this. Because if you, if you just realize, okay, I only want one of these two things, then if the, if the duplication was gone, it would be a lot simpler to understand. But the confusion comes because Google Drive and also Microsoft OneDrive are two applications where they provide a sharing extension and they also accept basically any file type. So they appear hmm. for everything for both types. Hmm. And, and that's where it kind of drives you a little bit crazy. So basically, but you'll notice that it's only those apps. Huh. So basically when you're, when you're sharing with the uh, share sheet and you see these share extensions, if they yep. usually if they carry the name, just the name of the app, like OmniFocus or Todoist or Google Drive. That's correct. Those yep. are the share extensions that display an interface that they don't make you leave the app that you're currently using. If yeah. you see copy to or import with, the file will be sent to that app and you will get switched over from the app that you're using to something else. That's correct. And, and, and the text that is copy to or import with, that's an enhancement in iOS 10 because in iOS 9, you just got two icons that both said Google Drive and one did one thing and one did the other and there was no disambiguation because the icons aren't treated in any way. There's no visual indication that one is the share extension and mm -hmm. one is a, a transfer to the other app. And the text is what tells you the difference. And the language of copy to and import with just indicates which one claims to be the owner and which one claims to be an, an, alternate, version, an alternate handler that can accept that file but maybe isn't the best one to send it mm. to. So maybe there should be some other indication of this because I can see users getting confused by, well, I mean, I want to 
copy the file to Google Drive instead of using the Google Drive extension, which maybe for some cases is actually preferable because it doesn't you know, make you jump between different apps. So there should be, I think, some kind of other indicator other than the text label uh, to tell users, if you use this ex- extension, you're going to be presented with an interface. You won't leave the app. If you use this mm-hmm. other extension, you will actually take the file and you know switch between apps. Uh, right now, it's all mixed together, basically. Uh, yeah. So, But thank you for the explanation, because I'm pretty sure that a lot of people actually have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you could make an argument to say that Apple should make it so that if an app provides a sharing extension, it doesn't also become an opening target in the same share sheet. Mm. Like, the app, the app presents one or the other, but not both at the same time. I mean, I can see that. Now, if, if you're a Dropbox user... You'll notice that Dropbox does this entirely differently, and I would argue probably more correctly, which is that Dropbox's um, in-app extension is actually provided as an action extension. So it always appears in the lower, the bottom section, which is all grayscale. And then the only thing that appears in, in the middle section, the sharing section, is the import with Dropbox option. So Dropbox actually separate out those two different things, one in one section, one in the sharing section, which is the open-in behavior where you actually are switched to Dropbox. And the other one they have is um, in the action section, they have save to Dropbox. And what that will do is that will bring up the Dropbox dialog inside your app. So you've got the action and you've got the sharing uh, in two separate sections. To me, that feels a little bit less confusing than seeing the same icon twice in the same section. But you could also make an argument that that's not the sharing action should be in the sharing section. Uh, so it's, I, I don't think it's hmm. logically correct, but it sort of behaves a little bit better, I think, and, and a bit more, uh, a bit less confusing than seeing the Dropbox icon twice in the same section. Yeah, I mean, th- this system it is definitely better than you know what we used to have with no extensions at all. It's just that I, I almost wish there was some kind of redesign for the share sheet. Uh, because I, I mean, I can yeah. see, I can see the the reasoning, you know, from Apple. And once you know the deal, you know, once you know, here you go with an interface, uh, with a share extension, and this other way is actually a way to move a file. It does make some sense, you know. And yeah. within the current design of the share sheet, it makes sense because w- what else are you gonna put those icons? I just wish maybe the basic problem is we should get a redesign of the share sheet. But you know, this is not what this episode this episode is about. Five sections. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there should uh, clearly there should be a better way, I guess, or you know, a different yeah. way to deal with with apps. Uh, I also wanted to to make a quick point about uh, when you use share extensions. Um, at least this is my experience. I think um, sometimes uh, you know, especially if you use a cloud based app and you save something into that app with the share extension, sometimes the the item saved by the extension gets automatically uploaded, you know, in the in the app mm-hmm. that is running in the background. Other times it doesn't. So for example, whenever I save uh, a new task in Todoist with a share extension, let's say I'm using Tweetbot and I want to save mm-hmm. a tweet for later. I open up the share extension for Todoist. It opens up in Tweetbot, so I don't leave my Twitter client and I save a task. If I go to my iPhone or if I go to my Mac and I open Todoist.com, I don't see the new task, right? I, uh, because it hasn't been saved. And for yeah. the changes <clears throat> to propagate, I need to open the Todoist app on my iPad, which will import the what has been saved from the, from the share extension and it will sync it back to the cloud. So it appears to yeah. me that some apps, when they receive input from the share extension, they do perform some network operation. Other apps don't. And I feel like mm-hmm. it's up to developers to choose because, for example, if you save an article with the pocket share extension, it actually does propagate across devices, across you know the entire pocket service. Uh, other yeah. times, some apps, they just let you almost import the, 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 the data, the input locally, and then you have to open the app for changes to, you know, to propagate across devices. It's kind of strange. Yeah, that's, that's under the control of the app developer um, because OmniFocus used to have the same problem where if you use something in the share extension, uh, there would be it would be stored locally on that device, right? So if you then opened OmniFocus on that device, you'd immediately see that item there. But then OmniFocus would then have to trigger a sync to the sync server and then to every other device. 
But I think in a few versions back, there was actually something in the release notes where they said, oh, now whenever you use the share extension, we actually uh, trigger a sync afterwards. And that way the, you don't have to open the application afterwards to get it to propagate across the devices. Um, so that's uh, that's something for the developers. And, and if you see apps like that, it's probably worth mm-hmm. filing a, a support request about that to see if they can change it. Well, one final example that I want to mention before we move on to the final section of the share sheet is the working copy share extension. So working mm-hmm. copy is a GitHub client. Um, and I know that you know most people know GitHub for uh, letting developers share code. You know, uh, yep. you know they can collaborate on code. They can you know develop applications and you know complex code structures by sharing that code on GitHub. But we actually use GitHub at MacStories to share um, documents and to share markdown documents. So we can keep track of changes in the same markdown document. Uh, across multiple users. So in the same text file, uh, thanks to uh, GitHub um, diff tool, uh, it lets you see edits made by multiple people to the same copy of a file. At any time, you can go back, you can check out the changes, you can see the difference with color highlights. It's very cool. And working copy is this GitHub client on iOS. And it has this share extension that it lets you uh, take a file, take a document. For example, when I write in Ulysses, and then if I want to commit, if I want to save a text file from Ulysses into working copy, I can just bring up the Ulysses export interface, open the share sheet, and then select working copy. And the working copy extension will open this mini working copy interface inside of Ulysses, and it will say, okay, I see that you're sharing this uh, TXT file. Uh, it will get the name of the file, and then it will directly from the extension, it will let me add a comment or it will, you know, it will let me see uh, with different icons whether I'm overwriting an existing file or if I'm saving a new file. And that's a great example of, you know, what you can do with the share extension. Instead of, you know, taking the user out of the current app and opening a different app, you can do these file operations directly from the share extension UI without having to change context. And I think that's a, you know, that's a very good implementation of the technology. Yeah, one thing we forgot to mention, Federico, is that you can actually turn the share extensions on and off in the share sheet. Oh, yes. If you if you scroll right to the, the right-hand side of, of each section, there's a more button, and that opens a table view. And you'll notice in there that some things have got a switch that lets you turn them on and off, and some things don't, right? And the things that you cannot turn on and off are the open-in targets, the ones that will take you to another app. But if it's a share extension, there's a switch there that lets you turn it on or off. So if you are hopelessly confused, you can always turn off the share extensions for everything and just use open in. But that sometimes gives you another idea of how to tell the difference between mm-hmm. the two things. So Fraser, the final section is the action extension area. So action extensions. And here I'm going to quote Apple. They're meant to manipulate or view content. Um, now this is, a, again, a very broad description of what action extensions can do. Um, but basically... Action extensions are the usually the most powerful ones because they, they can access a lot more information in terms of input and they can present more complex interfaces and they, they're not necessarily meant to send content uh, you know, from one app into another, but they let you uh, they let you edit this content. They let you perform actions on this content directly from an app that is opening the share sheet. Um, this, this, this input stuff is really quite complex. And I think uh, a, a good visualization of uh, the how the share sheet works with action extensions is the workflow extension. So we've talked about this mm-hmm. at length before. We did a whole series on workflow. But the workflow action extension, um, once you trigger it, it presents this custom interface of all your workflows. And... The workflows that appear in the extension are the workflows that are set to be visible, to be available in the action extension, depending on what you're actually sharing. So, for example, in the workflow UI, you can say this workflow needs to be available as an action extension, but only when I'm sharing a Safari web page or only when I'm sharing an image or only when I'm in the app store and I want to share an app. And this uh, this uh, action extension engine on iOS, based on you know uh, restricting certain input types, 
you can see a visualization of this in workflow. And, you know, there are toggles to say, okay, I want this workflow to be available as an extension only when I'm in this app or when I'm sharing some other, you know, document type, for example. And the, the action extensions, they can present either an action sheet or a full screen model view. Uh, another example could be the view source extension. It's this app that you open in Safari. It opens this extension in full screen and it looks like the full interface of the view source app. Uh, it lets you inspect the DOM, so the source code of a web page. It lets you view assets embedded on the web page. And you can actually switch between sections. So it, it really does look like you're opening an app on top of another one thanks to the share sheet. So th there are yeah. so many different examples of action extensions and what they can do. But there are some limitations. Um, some APIs, so some iOS features, cannot be accessed from an action extension. Uh, action extensions can do a whole lot of things, but they cannot, for example, access the camera. So you cannot open the, the viewfinder in an action extension. Um, other limitations include background execution. When you're using an action extension, you're doing something that needs to be completed, a process that needs to be completed inside of the share sheet context. You cannot, for example, uh, open the share sheet, send the file to an action extension, and the file is, you know, like a one gigabyte zip archive, and you cannot close the share sheet and let the file continue uploading in the background because the action extensions are not meant for long-running background tasks. For example, yeah. the Save to Dropbox action extension presents a custom UI. It lets you upload the file to a Dropbox folder. You can actually navigate your folders inside of the, of the Save to Dropbox action extension, but you need to wait for the upload to finish in the foreground. So you need to leave the extension open and running without doing anything else because it takes over wh whatever you're doing uh, for the upload to finish. So the action extensions can present custom interfaces. They can do a lot of things. They're still not as flexible or powerful as using the full app, of course. You can do a lot more things in Workflow. You can do a lot more things in the Dropbox app. But you can still do quite a bit and even more than share extensions when you use action extensions. Yeah, the, one of the differences for an action extension is that it can, it can talk to the host app more. So, for example, with like the 1Password uh, extension, we, I mean, Indy uses 1Password must hit that extension, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 times a day, probably. But one of the things you can do that a lot of people don't know about is um, when you're signing up for something new in Safari, you can bring up the 1Password action extension and you can actually um, extract from the Safari webpage the information you've already put into that form. So, for example, if you go through the form and you use Safari's suggested password in the form and so on, you can then bring up the 1Password thing and just save all that information in a new login for that website. Um, because you can see in the, in the action extension, you can say, okay, create a new uh, login for this site. And it, the action extension will then talk to Safari, ask it for the information that's in those fields, and pull it out into 1Password and save it in your database. So that's an example of how it's different from a sharing one, where the sharing is like, uh, here's the thing I'm sharing, now you go away and finish off that job. Whereas the action extensions can be more of a two-way interaction between the action extension and the app itself. Another example that Apple showed at one WWDC was being able to translate inline yeah. text on a web page. So that you could select something, hit an action extension, and it would actually replace it in the DOM. It would do a DOM manipulation, and it would actually replace that with translated text in the web page and re-render it again so you could, you could look at it differently. Yeah, there are so many different examples. Like I said, the workflow extension, it can present menus, it can present dialogues, it can show the keyboard inside of the action yeah. extension. Copied, which is this uh, clipboard manager that I recently brought up about on Mac Stories, it lets you clip text uh, into the app and you can actually remix and reformat text inside the extension. So you can do filters, you can do, you know, you can adjust adjust the text that you're capturing. Uh, there's Opener. Opener is this action extension that takes a link, like a Twitter link or a Spotify link, and it brings up third-party options to open those links. So instead of universal links, instead of the default options, like 
you have a YouTube link. By default, iOS opens that link in the YouTube app. If you use the opener action extension, it will see the link and it will say, well, instead of opening this link in YouTube, do you want to open it in ProTube, which is this third-party client? Or if you have a Twitter link, do you want to open it in Tweetbot or Twitterific? So it is an action extension that sees the type of URL that you're sharing and it has this database of third-party options that you can tap and you will launch the app. This is one of the benefits of action extensions, they actually can launch other apps. So they, mm-hmm. you can do automations, you can do you know app launching from action extensions. There's also the save to Dropbox extension, which I mentioned, it lets you upload files, it lets, it lets you rename files inside of the extension. And there's also Pythonista. Uh, so Pythonista is mm-hmm. one of the most advanced uh, apps on the App Store. Uh, it is a Python interpreter and IDE. And it, you can run scripts Inside of the extension, uh, you can access the DOM of a web page. Uh, you can, you know, you can do API calls. You can do anything you can do with Python, but inside of an action extension, which is really, really quite impressive. Um, and, and and of course, we uh, view source. Uh, which I mentioned before, it lets you inspect the DOM or web page. It lets you view the source. Like you can on, on a Mac, it's a default option of Safari. In iOS, mm-hmm. there's no develop menu for Safari, but you can install an extension and do it anyway. So, you know, that's kind of awesome. There's so many, many different examples of action extensions of what you can do, you know, depending on the app that you're using. Um, it's it's really quite a quite a, a lot of fun. If you never enabled action extensions, go, you know, open the share sheet, go over the more menu and, you know, switch the toggles on and see what you discover. Because it's very possible that you actually have action extensions installed. You never try them. Um, I think now is a good time, good time to try. Yep. So there's there's absolutely tons to do in there, and and once you kind of get some of these things in place, it's really really powerful, and you can just fly through some of your work. Um, again, the action extensions also can some of them can be provided from the app. You've seen some as well in Safari where you have find on page, for example, which is searching the contents of the web page in Safari. That's an action extension provided by Safari, only inside Safari. It's not it's not general searching for every app. Um, so is, there's lots and lots to to dig into there. Uh, I hope we've clarified a little bit the middle section and why you sometimes yeah. see multiple icons. You definitely same. did. I um, mean, there was so yeah. much confusion over that aspect. Yeah. I mean, personally, I, I feel better just having done this show because two weeks ago I was very confused by that fact myself. Um, and now, now I understand it. I'm not saying I love the fact that it's the way it is, but at least I, I feel like I... I'm no longer kind of poking in the dark and sometimes getting one thing and sometimes getting the other because I didn't appreciate the difference between those two things. There you go. Every time we have a question about iOS, we do a show about it. Every day is a school day. (laughs) Okay, so shall we leave it there for tonight, Federico? I think that's that's enough to be going on with. I, I think it's a a good foundation for people to start playing around with extensions and to accidentally open in copy to import with. <laughs> so this has been this has been Canvas episode 30. Show notes are available at relay.fm forward slash canvas forward slash three zero. We will uh, be back with you again in a couple of weeks time for another episode. In the meantime, you can catch us on Twitter. The show is underscore canvas FM. I am Fraser Spears on Twitter. Federico is Vitici. And we will see you all next time.